Hello, Sooner fans, Longhorn fans. Welcome to the second episode of the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. We want to start by saying, Kevin, I want to start by saying thank you to everybody that's tuned into the first episode. We've had tremendous support. YouTube calls, apparently we're breaking records. Uh, Elon Shattering Musk, records. Yeah, Musk has reached out to us, is maybe starting a whole new platform. I don't know. But anyway, the support's been tremendous. So everybody that's listened, thank you so very much. Um, and we're just excited to do episode number two today, which is a continuation of number one, uh, where we're going to talk about the Oklahoma head football coaches and how they've got us here and the legacy that Brent Venables is going to inherit and you know, kind of what we've got to look forward to. But first, let me thank our title sponsor. As you all know, Kevin and I both work for Brown O'Haver, a public insurance adjusting firm that works for the insured, not the insurance company. We handle claims so that you don't have to. We make sure you get paid more and more quickly from your insurance company. On average, we get our clients 30 to 40% more. Um, most recently out in Seminole, Oklahoma, there was a terrible tornado that hit town. Luckily, no fatalities, really no even injuries, um, but a ton of property damage. We've already been hired by two clients. I'm sure there will be more, but things like that are what we are here for. So if you have any questions, check us out on Facebook, Brad O'Haver, or give us a call 405-735-5510. Kevin. What did you think of our first episode? Are you as fired up as I am? I'm really fired up. It was a great time talking about, you know, Texas coaches, starting with Mac, and then the complete instability that the program has had ever since then. Where we're at now, the continuous rebuild that we're still in. But now, you know, we want to talk to you about Do you think that was too hard on Tom Herman? No. Okay. No. I'm worried I might have hurt Tom Herman's feelings. No, right. I'm sure he's fine. Okay. He got, he got a nice check to, to leave, so he, he's okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. But, no, I want to talk about the OU coaches. Um, obviously not as much up and down or instability as Texas had. So, you know, we want to go back to 1999. You guys hire Florida defensive coordinator by the name of Bob Stoops. Um, what do you remember from that time? Were you excited about the hire? What did you think? I was a student at OU. I had started during the John Blake years. I think I had started school on Blake's second season. And the hiring of Bob Stoops was kind of like, who in the heck is this guy? Because we just didn't know who he was. We, we knew Florida had come off a national championship with him coaching. There was, there was that knowledge. But anytime you get kind of an unknown coordinator, at least to the fan base, you know, with comparing it to Venables, that's different. We know who Brent Venables is, right? We, we've experienced him. We, we kind of have an idea. Lincoln Riley as a coordinator then became, you know, again, you know him. And so there's that transition. With Bob, it was like, okay, no real ties to Oklahoma. And, but at the same time, hopeful because you're coming off of maybe the three worst years in Oklahoma history. I mean, just to be destroyed like we were 
maybe the four worst years if you count Schnellenberger, which I think you can. Uh, and so, yeah, I think hope came to mind, and he was absolutely confident. Um, and we were excited. I think there was some excitement, but again, the unknown was there. Absolutely. So that first year, uh, you know, he goes seven and five. I remember the Red River shootout that year um, in the Cotton Bowl. What do you remember about that? It was my 21st birthday. My sister had gotten me tickets, student tickets, uh, that were on the 50-yard line in the sun. Um, but they were fantastic. Ten rows up. It was just – Pretty good gift. Oh, it was amazing. One of the best gifts ever. Thank you, Sarah. And we were, again, sitting there on the 50-yard line. We go up 17 nothing. Quickly. In the first quarter. My head was exploding – I had lost my voice. It was the, the 15 most exciting minutes I've ever experienced as an OU football fan, right? To go up 17-0 just right out of the gate, um, only to then be sat back down in my seat by a 17-0 Texas second quarter. And, you know, from there, Texas just kind of, because they, they were the better team, obviously, just took control of the second half, and it really wasn't close. But the, I will always remember those first 15 minutes. It was some of the best 15 minutes I've ever enjoyed watching college football. Yes, sound, sounds familiar. Yeah. You don't have to look far. So to remember um, me going through something similar, you know, just a few Absolutely. months ago. Absolutely. So I understand. No, and you know what's cool is this, those, are what, those are some of the stories that come out of that game. And I, I remember hearing, a, you know, I, I listen, I'm obviously a big fan of the ref. 1,400 in Norman, 94-7 in Oklahoma City. Uh, I love those guys. And I believe Teddy Lehman had on Trent Smith, and they're talking about that 2000 game. And I find this to be interesting. This is just a little tidbit there. To know that football players uh, dipped, I didn't know. I, I was okay. like, it's a baseball player thing. Yeah, same, same here. But apparently he tells the story that they're in the Cotton Bowl warming up before fans get there or whatever, you know, probably no pads on. And Leach walks up to Trent Smith and asks for a dip, which I just think is like the coolest thing ever. Like, I don't even dip, but I would just love to walk up to Trent Smith <laughs> in the hot bowl and say, hey, can I have a pinch? But anyway, so they're sitting there talking, and Leach comes up with fake playbooks and gives them to Trent Smith and says, hey, I want you to leave these out here, and hopefully Texas will pick them up. Now, I don't know. It sounds apocryphal. Right, it doesn't sound real, but if it is real, that's awesome. I mean, that's like the greatest story ever. Well, I mean, that could explain the start there, and it is Mike Leach we're talking about, right? I mean, oh my god, <laughs> you I can't mean, put it past him. This, the start was unbelievable. It was. I mean, we we could do no wrong, and yeah, you might be right. I mean, there has to be something to it. Yeah, uh, because they were caught complete. Texas was caught completely off guard. They hadn't recovered offensively, defensively. Uh, the, the talent took over, but uh, anyway, what a great story. I mean, that, those are the kind of OU Texas stories that just leave you wanting more, and that just wants me, you know, I just ah, get all excited about it. You know, and one thing about Coach Stoops, that staff he brought in initially, some of the names on there, I mean, Mike Leach and, and Mangino, and just some, a lot of future head coaches there. Well, you, you know, clearly Bob was a defensive coach. I mean, that's Goes without saying, he's defensive coordinator, played defense. But to have the foresight to say, I'm going to be on the cutting edge of offense, 
And instead of trying to do it myself or reinvent something, I'm just going to go to the guy who scored the most points on my defense. Like, Brilliant. Yeah, because Leach was at Kentucky, good. right? He would face him at Florida. Yeah, faced him at Florida every year, put up a ton of points. You know, Kentucky wasn't any good back then. But to be able to see – knowing that he had – I think Bob had the confidence in himself to say, I'm going to go put up – I'm going to be able to hold a deep, a, an offense to whatever I need to hold him to as long as I got points going up on the board. And, you know, Leach was only there the one year. And, and the record probably doesn't bear it out. But to be able to set the groundwork for Mangino – uh, long and, and so on. It's uh, yeah, no, it's, it's crazy to think that part of Bob's legacy is the dynamic offenses, right? right. Defensive coach having the legacy of a dynamic offensive staff typically is pretty cool. And I remember that 99 game, some of the plays they were running, some of these crazy wide receiver screens. And I just never seen anything like that. And everybody else is running power. eye formation, you know, fullback, two tight ends. Here they come spreading it out, throwing it all over the over well, the yard with Heichel. And especially in the Big 12. I yeah. mean, that was that was line them up and smash them. And I think, you know, there's probably a realization in 99 that you don't have the dudes to line up and smash them. Right. So yeah. you've gotta you've gotta be creative. You've gotta find those those things that are gonna catch people off guard. And that offense did catch people off guard. And if you think about a lot of those games. The Notre Dame game comes to mind. We're up against Notre Dame. We're up against Texas. It catched it, it. The offense caught people off guard, but eventually it bears out the talent wins out, right? That yeah. talent and coaching and and having especially on the lines, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what got exposed in that first year in Bob's worst record. But in the rest of it, I mean, the the, the framework to say, hey, we're going to be innovative on the offensive side of the ball. What, yeah, great legacy. Okay, so 99, obviously reason for optimism. But 2000, I mean, for me as an outsider, I mean, one of the most shocking seasons that I can remember in college football, undefeated national champions. Tell me about that season. What was that like for you being a student too? Oh, it was unbelievable. I was a senior it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, you, you've lived in the depths of despair with John Blake. And even seven and five isn't something that you're just super fired up about. I mean, you lost your bowl game to Mississippi. You come in ranked 20th. I even think the game prior to it, I don't have the in front of me, but I want to say it was like 34-16 against Kansas before we even go play Texas. So you're still not, you're still not bought in that this is like some miracle team. And I'm down at my parents' house in Louisiana watching that – OU Texas game, the 2000 game. And the president, Boren at the time, had announced if we win, we don't have to go to school on Monday. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, this just gets me an extra day of vacation. Let's, I just hope we get a win. And then we just pile on the greatest onslaught that I had ever seen. And I, I was on cloud nine. I, what, what was Texas fan going through? It was absolutely stunning. I could not believe what was happening. I mean, it was just touchdown. What were y'all ranked? What were y'all ranked? Um, you know, I want to say in the top ten, right around ten. Okay. Was it like a nine ten matchup? Is that right? I believe so. So I was expecting a game similar to ninety nine. And oh no, I mean, it was quick. I mean, yeah. touchdown, Quentin Griffin. What do you have? Six touchdowns that game? Yeah, it was unbelievable. 
And, and then the defense picking off Sam Zan Applewhite. I mean, just no, pick no, sixes, Texas, everything. Yeah, Texas never had a chance. And it just it set up, obviously, the greatest run in, in OU history, that red, red October, where you then have Kansas State, the Nebraska game, one versus two, um, leading into the national championship game, which – Hold on, let's not forget going down to Kyle Field and oh, um, beating Texas A&M. Again, an amazing defensive play wins that game. The Torrance Marshall uh, pick six. Uh, yeah, with a little bit of help from Rocky Calvis in the back, but it was hey. just – it was fantastic. And then, yeah, then to go – you know, the, the Florida State game was you're, – you're undefeated – but I can say, as a Sooner fan, I'm thinking, I just hope we don't get embarrassed. I did not think you would be Florida State. Even after all the magic that happened through that no. season, I didn't think it would happen. No. I mean, all they showed was Chris Winky highlight videos for a month leading up to that game. And I just thought, we're, we're good, and we've beaten some good teams, but we're not beating Florida State. I mean, these, yeah. these dudes, this is not going to happen. Bobby Bowden, Winky, I don't care if it's – Snoop Menace was on the sideline for stealing. What was he did, stealing sneakers from Dillard's or something like that? No, that was Peter Warwick. Was he involved in that too? No, it was Peter Warwick. Well, it, well, what did Snoop get in trouble for? I'm not sure. Remember though, he was on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. If you ever watched the sideline, oh, you hear it a thousand times. Yeah, you ever watched the replay? They just go to him over and over. You would have thought Snoop Menace was Randy Moss or Jerry Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, all that to be said. I mean, it, it was like watching – it's the closest thing I can imagine to, like, enjoying watching a soccer game. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't an enjoyable game to watch. No, it was no a slugfest. Yeah. But it was awesome. And at the end of that game, Stoops holding up the trophy. You're thinking to yourself, my goodness, we are going to be a behemoth for years to come. Well, I thought the same thing, and I was very, very nervous. And- is like that what, is, is oh, that yeah, what Texas I mean, fan thought? Yeah, because, I mean, the, this guy's in his second year, and he wins the Natty, and he doesn't even have his own guys in yet. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was, like, this is this is not good. Yeah, that team was loaded. So, you know, that takes us into another season that was kind of okay, but then we go to 03, and you're thinking to yourself, this is another – Another finish that can't be – I mean, that the 03 team was just fantastic. In my opinion, it's the best OU team that I've seen. Even and, the ones that have won the national championship? Well, again, I mean, I'm 38 years old, right? So yes. my history goes back into the 1990s, the early 1990s. So I wasn't around for the 85, those late 80s teams really. But from the 90s on, I thought that team was unbelievable. Defense, speed – Unbelievable. And I think that's where you started to see the chinks in Bob Stoops' armor. Now, what, what do you think happened there? Because, I mean, you rolled through the season. 65-13 against Texas. 77-0 against Texas A&M. I mean, you're just pretty much destroying everything in your path until the Big 12 championship game against Kansas State. So um, that, that was a shocking moment for me. Yes. It, it almost like like woke us up from a dream, you know, like, Oh my gosh, we have an amazing run. We're unstoppable. 
And then Kansas State comes. The running back is still running on us in my dreams. I imagine Darren Sproles. Oh, I mean, come on. And and Sproles is an amazing, I mean, success story in the NFL college. I mean, to be that size and to have that kind of quickness and stuff. But he shouldn't single-handedly beat one of the best college football teams out there. Agreed. Agreed. And we let him beat us. And the, the dudes you had on defense, I mean, Tommy Harris, Dvorak, um, Lehman, Lance Mitchell. Oh, it was unbelievable. Derek Strait, I mean, loaded. Loaded. Loaded dudes. And anyway, so – and I can remember the loss happening, and, and then somehow we still make it to the BCS. It, I don't even know how you can explain that to me. I don't think that would have happened. I, I don't think that would happen with the playoff anymore. I think it would have to be a unique situation to sure. lose a conference championship game and still get in the playoff. Sure. Especially one to such a bad team. Yeah. But I think that was the cachet that Oklahoma had in 03. And I think that's the yeah. cachet that Bob Stoops had in 03. That Agreed. They believed we were good enough that it didn't matter. And Bob big Stoops. Game Bob. Big game Bob. Exactly. Um, and so I can remember thinking, oh, well, we'll, we're still going to beat LSU. Oh, yeah. Same here. Same like, yeah, here. We had our bad game. This was our bad game. Saban was- wasn't Saban yet. This wasn't this Nick Saban that we all fear and, and know is the greatest college football coach of all time. And this wasn't Joe Burrow leading the LSU Tigers. Oh, no. Not at all. And now I think what got to that team – in that game was LSU getting to play in the Superdome. Okay. Pretty much a road game. I, I can't come up with another ex- reason or excuse to why we lost the game. I mean, we didn't execute some plays. Jason White missed a couple passes. But I think at the end of the day, I think the unfortunate event of having to play LSU in the Superdome just isn't – that's not a big win. Was Jason White injured that game at – I think I heard something about him having an elbow injury or something like that. What's going on? I don't. Re- I don't remember an elbow injury. I mean, you okay. know, he was always kind of hobbled. But yeah, even hobbled, he was, yeah, even hobbled, he was a Heisman winner. You know, yeah. Uh-huh. But so he, they lose that game, and again, I still don't think Bob has taken the hit yet, though. Not yeah. until the not until the USC game. Let's talk about that 04 season. I mean, first of all, the recruiting. You guys sign the best running back, arguably, of the generation. Historically great running back, Adrian Peterson. Went a head-to-head recruiting battle over Texas. Uh, did, y'all, talk about, did, you ever, did y'all ever think you had him? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. for, oh for real? Oh, you yeah. Really? Yo, no, yeah, we thought Adrian Peterson was coming. God, can you imagine? For a second. Yeah. It, it, yeah, him and Vince Young in the backfield. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, yes. I mean, Oklahoma, again, is rolling at this point. Stoops is still the, the man um, in the sport. Again, blow everybody out, and this time take care of business in the Big 12 title game, only to just lay the to, up to that point the biggest egg in the national championship game. You know, it's, it's funny because look, that USC team was loaded. But so was OU. I mean, you have Jason White, you have a Heisman winner, you have Adrian Peterson, 
Who should have won the Heisman. Mark Clayton. Yeah, yeah, he was the best player in college football. Absolutely. You had Mark Clayton, Mark Bradley, Travis Wilson, James Moses at tight end. You keep a going. great offensive line and defense loaded team. And so I get I think at that point, that's the first. So, you know, Kansas State, you say, oh, well, we just weren't ready. LSU, you say, oh, okay, it was the home game. If we lose a close game to USC, I think you say, man, USC was pretty freaking good. But to just get destroyed by USC, I think made some OU fans. Again, look, we're looking back in retrospect. Not say, oh, Bob Stoopsie. That, that was never. But just go, okay, maybe he's not the next Barry Switzer, right? Okay. Maybe he's not the sure. god of college football that we thought he was even a couple of years ago. Sure. sure. And and I think that's – maybe that's okay, I guess. Yeah, but, he's human. He made him look human, seem human. You know? But it didn't feel good. I, I get that. I get that because, you know, you, you have these two back-to-back undefeated regular seasons – you want to have something to show for it, right? You, well, I mean, the 03 doesn't even win. The 03 team doesn't even win a Big 12 title. Can you think about yeah. I mean, I can't even fathom that. Sure. But, yeah, it was the, the – the, I mean, and you think about what either one of those games, but really probably the LSU game, would have done to thin his career and to future, yeah. re- future recruiting. Uh, uh, it's, it's hard it's like to see. It's legacy changing, altering – yeah, it's yeah. it's like, it's like it's like what we talked about in the last episode. If Mac wins in 09. Yeah. I mean Max Max legacy and Texas as a program is completely different than where it is today. Correct. Correct. So then we go into some down years with Bob. Yeah, I mean that's five, you know, you had a new quarterback breaking in, Brett Volmar, Peterson had some injuries, so it's a rough season there. Um, 06, I thought, was interesting, right? Rhett Bomar is off the team. So you have Paul Thompson, who had recruited as a quarterback, had been moved to receiver, comes back to play quarterback, and you still win the Big 12 that year. Well, I think I think a lot of people would say one of Bob's best coaching years. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and that, that season stands out. We could talk about a lot about that season. You've got the Oregon loss, which was loss. the biggest bunch of crap that ever existed in college football. Look, I, I told you this. I'm a Texas fan. I don't root for you, but I was even upset. I was watching that live. Yeah. It was Alan Patrick, right, walking off with the ball in his hands and the refs are still looking and then called it to Oregon. It was unbelievable. And was then awesome. you have – that's the same year as the Texas Tech game. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. That was the goal line, right? The, well, it was the goal line, and then you've got the, the play at mid, the fourth down play at uh, midfield that they yeah. got called in Texas Tech favor. It, so you've got two games that ended on horrible officiating. Like, you've got, you've got replay, and you can't get it right. I mean, yeah. it was just – so that's two losses there. I mean, he went – what did he go in 06? Uh, 11 and three, 11 and three and 06 and two losses that as close to you sh- as shouldn't have been losses as you can get, you know, no one can hey, you lost the game, blah, blah, blah. But okay. Great. We lost, we shouldn't have lost those two games. Can you imagine that? That's a, an 11, you're close to a 12 and one season. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah, I'm reading that right, right? And then the and then you lose to Texas. Just couldn't get anything going. I was at that game. Just nothing was happening. It was just one of, you know, y'all just y'all were better that year. Yeah, I think we're, you know, finally got a little confidence in the rivalry after finally getting over the hump in the last year. We had Colt McCoy, who was a freshman, but they had a pretty good game plan, and they had some good DBs. Remember Aaron Ross, you know, that well, year won the Thorpe Award, forced a couple turnovers in, in that game. He had an interception, fumble recovery on a questionable lateral call in that game. That and, he, uh, Tom, and Thompson – it's 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 whether he was a senior or not, it was his first time playing quarterback, and, and that yeah. can get to people. You know, Absolutely. we saw that with we saw that with Jalen Hurts. It's, it gets to people playing in that stadium. So, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got, of course, the the uh, Boise State game is that season too. I mean, that season was crazy, yeah. but at the same time, you know, you, and you didn't have Adrian Peterson for the back half of that season. Yeah, he had broke his collarbone right I think against Iowa State. Against Iowa State, diving into mm-hmm. the end zone. Um, his dad there attending for the first time. His dad gets to attend a, an OU game, and he what a bizarre was, injury, right? For <sighs> Alan Patrick was a beast the back half of that year. But anyway, so oh yeah, I think that's where Bob like you got to see. Okay, hey, things aren't going great, and this is how you salvage a crappy season because yeah. that could have gone really south. You lose Adrian Peterson, and you've got a, what is essentially a backup quarterback playing quarterback, and you win the Big 12, and you're in a double-digit win season. That, I think, is a, a legacy-defining season for Bob because it just shows that that dude never gave up on a season. Yeah, I and, agree. And I think that – I'm going to pick on Texas a little bit. That's the difference between Texas and Oklahoma, at least over the last 20 years, is those seasons where – What's left to play for doesn't. Yeah, we've had a couple more of those, but not very many. But Texas gets hit with those, and boy, what? Yeah, it, it, things kind of collapse. It, the whole the whole thing can fall apart. And I think you could speak to leadership. Just exactly what we're talking about in the last episode and this episode is yeah. the leadership. And I think that having Bob Stoops' leadership over such a long period of time played out in seasons like 2006. Yeah. Now I do feel like, to be fair. In the last half of the 2000s, I think Texas really turned a corner in that in the mental toughness standpoint with Vince Young leading the way, you know, battling through adversity. Those teams through that, the last half of that decade were pretty, pretty tough and gritty. And, and for example, you know, being down to Tech in Lubbock in 2008, coming back, they still lost the game, right? But, you know. But your Colt McCoy, your Colt McCoy, I mean, we're going to talk about most hated players, most you know, loved players or whatever. Colt McCoy was just a ball player. He was. So to, to go from Vince Young to Colt McCoy, couldn't have two more different types of players, yet from a leadership standpoint and just pure grittiness, just fantastic, I think. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, going into 08, uh we lose to Texas. Speaking of that, we lose to Texas, but we make another national championship game. And again, yeah. we're on the precipice. We've got the greatest offense at that time to have played in college football, six straight games, scoring over 60 points. 
we lose to Marco Murray in the Big 12 championship. Dislocated knee, right? And we have to go play Florida. And the question is, does Percy Harvin play? We don't have DeMarco Murray. Florida has Percy Harvin. Stoops decides to, without DeMarco Murray, decides to run the ball so many times on the goal line that just made you sick. You know, you've got Sam Bradford, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. And in the first half, he doesn't lean on him when you've got DeMarco Murray out. And I, I think that Florida team was good. I think the Oklahoma team was better. And I think it was just another opportunity lost. Am I Texas fan? Tell me, am I wrong? Were we better than the Florida? No, you're not wrong. And I feel like Texas would have matched up very well against that Florida team too, especially with Will Muschamp at, at defensive coordinator. He, when he was at Auburn, he had had some success stopping the Tim Tebow uh, Florida offense. I so. think the I think the full complement of Texas's team against Florida's team wins that game. Yeah. I think they win that game. And it's just like – and you think about the trajectory of the SEC. Again, we're talking ifs and buts, candy, you know, whatever. But the trajectory of the SEC really started to hinge on that 08 game by Florida and the 09 game by Alabama. Correct. And Oklahoma takes care of business in 08, and Texas takes care of business in 09. What does that do to the Big 12? What does that do to the, to the SEC? It's a whole new narrative. You have to remind people that during the 2000s, the, the Big 12 was the best conference in, in the country. I mean, routinely, Nebraska, Texas, Oklahoma, and even K-State were in the top 15 every year. Every year. So it wasn't until the mid to late 2000s that the SEC started, started their run. So you start to see a dip in, in Bob's – Really, the team's performance. Landry Jones' years were rough, leading into the uh, Trevor Knight years. You know, we got rejuvenated with a big win at Alabama. I think that kind of kicked us all in the butt a little bit. We got excited yeah. about that. He has to fire Josh Heupel, which I think was a gut punch for him. But I think he realized. Leaders have to make tough decisions. He, he needed a spark. In, he needed a spark. He brings in Lincoln Riley. We get the benefit of Lincoln Riley and Baker Mayfield. I think that's important. We'll talk about that when we talk about Lincoln. But we get Lincoln and Baker. He gets to make one more run. And we lose to Clemson. I think the Clemson team was probably better. Although we were in the lead at halftime. Yeah. It was a good Clemson team. Young Deshaun Watson, a quarterback. Yeah. But they have been building this thing for a while there. If you look, Dabo had been – they have been coming up for a while. So it was just kind of so their made, time. Bob gets to make that one more run. I didn't see it happening that year like I did in 08 or 04, 03 or 04. But it would have been nice. Um, and then he shocks us all. I get to text at like two o'clock in May of the 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 College World Series of softball is going on, and I'm that's what I'm focused on. And you find out Bob Stoops is calling it quits. It was it was shocking. What did Texas fan think about that? You know, I got the alert on my phone, and I remember I just I looked at my phone and had to do a double take. What? Why? You know, that was my first thing. Why? Why would he do this now in the middle? 
you know, so close to the season starting. You know, that was always my, well, yeah, people have questions, okay? It's, it's, are there some sort of violations that are about to be announced? What, you know, what else, what other reason? And he still seemed to be in his prime. Did y'all, you know? sense, did y'all sense the door opening to be able no, to? No, it was, it was, it was just more shock. You know, um, we, we had so many issues of our own at that point. We're, you know, we're in the Charlie Strong era. So now we weren't looking at it like that. It was just more if, you know, if there were going to be some sort of sanctions or violations that were going on that we were going to hear about. That's the first thing that came to my mind. So then we get Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. Yes. Yeah. The first year, with the exception of a loss to Iowa State, went about as scripted as it could possibly have gone. Yes. He, he could do no wrong. No. Beat Texas. His worst coaching decision, which haunts me to this day. There are, there are very few games that like haunt me but i would months after the rose bowl i would wake up thinking about the fact that he didn't run for it on fourth and one in overtime yeah they ran the end around right was that no 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 no, we're it's fourth and one okay georgia has already kicked a field goal yes and all we score touchdown we win and he calls timeout, and he thinks about it, and he thinks about it, and he thinks about it, and they run out the field goal team. Okay, there. Okay, on fourth down. It was third down before when they ran that. That was stupid, play. too. Okay. And I just – and we've talked about how good Rodney Anderson was in that game. He was he was amazing. And he was the best player on the field. I just remember saying to myself, you have the best player on the field. And Georgia was loaded. That was a great Georgia team. Correct. You have the best player on the field and you don't give him the ball on fourth and one to win the game. Give him the ball. That game's over. We beat Georgia. And I got to tell you, with Baker, you had a chance against that Alabama team. I'm not saying you beat that Alabama team, but you got a chance. That team. Well, I, I'll say it. I think you beat Alabama. I think Alabama would rather play Georgia than play us that year. Absolutely. You would rather take your... everybody, everybody talks about how bad our defense was that year. Oh, our defense is so bad. Oh, if we didn't have the offensive genius of Lincoln Riley, our defense, blah, blah, blah. Listen, dude, we were tied 31-31, and the defense created a scoop and score touchdown to go up 38-31 against Georgia in the fourth. Massive Now, Now you're up 38-31. We kick off, and then our defense, you know what, our defense that – apparently was so terrible and blah, blah, blah. They do a three and out. And Lincoln Riley and his vaunted offense get the ball with um, like six minutes to go and a seven-point lead. And they go three and out. It's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. We, our offense had the ball in their hands with a seven-point lead. Our defense did everything they could in that fourth quarter to give us a chance to win. And it just, as you can tell, I'm getting frustrated right now just talking about it. I hope it's coming through on the, on the recording. It's a, it's a fine line, right, between winning and losing, especially in those games with, with all the good players and good coaches out there. And after that, decisions. You know, you, you still had tremendous optimism, but you had, 
Oklahoma fan had a bad taste in their mouth. Like, you, you don't have chances like that to beat a Georgia in a college football playoff. Those chances don't come that often. And to see them just get squandered, we weren't talking about firing him. We weren't talking about anything like that. But we were. But Oklahoma fan that watched the game said to themselves, what just happened? And wondered if Bob was the coach, do we win that game? Okay. Really? I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Bob, in the last batch of games he was in, didn't perform that well either. So maybe it's nobody. But at the same time, there was, I think, it sounds incredible to say, you have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, you make it to the college football, you lose on the last play, blah, 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 and yet you're still going, hmm. I'm telling you, man, people might not believe it, but true hardcore Oklahoma fan was like, hmm. Really? See, now I thought, I'm like, this guy, you replaced a legend, and this guy's on his way to being just as good. That's my thought after the 2017 season. I mean, that first half game plan against a defense that good, I mean, they did whatever they wanted, and they were running right at them. They they had no idea how to defend the counter. Which makes the loss also more painful, you know? I get that. It, it's uh, but anyway. So then he goes. Then he's got Kyler Murray, who we can talk about later. But I think it's a great. I think he's the best college football. That that season of, of quarterback was the best OU ever had. I completely agree. You know, I I respect Baker, and I think he's a historically good college football quarterback. But Kyler's not human. You know, he can just yeah. <laughs> do things that yeah. you just. But- and he and and you see Lincoln Riley make what he thinks is the tough decision, what he has to do, fall in the cotton bowl. He has to fire Mike Stoops. Yes. Couldn't have been easy. No. The fan base was calling for it. Sounds like the players in the locker room were calling for it, the whole deal. Uh, we go on to make that run, play really well, and show up not ready to play against Alabama. I mean, that Alabama team just came out swinging. They were ready. To, to Kyler's credit, he came back a little bit in that game, but we weren't. He ready. did. He, yeah. Then you got Jalen Hurts. And again, just a tremendous run, although a terrible loss to K-State. Just terrible. Yeah, that one was rough. And the one, the LSU team, they were historic. Historically good. I mean, an unbelievable team. But very quickly, you the, the wheels start to fall off. I, I'm sure people listening are going to be like, oh, that's hindsight, that's this, that's that. If you weren't scared after the 2020 season with losses to Iowa State and K-State and just not looking as sharp as we should have looked, yes, we had a very good win against Florida in the, in the Cotton Bowl. It just... It didn't feel good. So what do you think happened between, you know, the season with Jalen Hurts and then the season with Spencer Rattler? I mean, he's the number one quarterback in the country. Everybody is excited. You see glimpses of absolute brilliance, some of the throws that he can make. I mean, these are next-level NFL throws. 
that he can make, but why did it never really click like it did with Jalen or Baker? As, as indicated by the hat, I think it's really simple. He started, A, our defenses weren't great. Our defense w- wasn't great. Even under Grinch and all the changes we started to make. But I think his offense went away from running the ball. you got to remember with Baker, I mean, Baker had Rodney Anderson. He had Samaj P. Ryan. He had Joe Mixon. That makes Baker look really, really, really good. Yeah. Kyler Murray, dual threat quarterback. Ability to – and he ran him. Lincoln ran him quite a bit. It completely changed the Same whole thing Jalen Hurts, right? He ran yeah, Jalen absolutely. Hurts. I mean, mm-hmm. he ran the tar out of Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. He goes to – we stopped running the ball in 2020 as effectively. Partly because the quarterback run game wasn't there. But I think he abandoned it too early. I, I don't know. But that's what you start to see. That takes us into last year where – I mean, we lose – and if you think about it, we lose guys like Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon decides to leave Oklahoma. Yeah. That dude was a, that dude was really good. I'm not saying Kennedy – I love Kennedy Brooks too. Find a way to use them both. Get their touches. Yeah. We made we made Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan happy in the backfield. You're telling yeah, me and, the same thing? And the way that, that Lincoln used Joe Mixon, I mean, was just absolutely perfect as a receiver, as a runner. Oh, that guy, what a special talent he is. It's what got you excited. So it's the things that got you excited about Lincoln that he stopped doing that then made you start to go, mm. and so that took us to last year. Now, hold on, let me, let me, I don't mean to cut you off, but let's talk about the expectations, right? I think every, the last couple seasons, they have been leading up to 21 being the year, right? This was going to be the year living here. In Oklahoma, as a Texas fan, I just remember hearing it. This is a year. Everything's going to fall into place. We have a lot of starters coming back on both sides of the ball. What do you think happened? I think a little bit of press clippings. I think a little bit. uh, I think you had the first taste of NIL, but all the teams did. Mm -hmm. But I think it might have impacted Rattler. But ultimately, sound winning football regardless of the type of offense you run, always comes back to an effective run game that sets up the pass. Yeah. And Rattler just got – he got hung out to dry a lot. You know, even from the first game against Tulane, you know, it just didn't seem – I mean, they were in a a close ball game against Tulane. We were close against Tulane. We're close against Nebraska, who wasn't supposed to be any good. We're close against West Virginia. Um, And so everybody starts calling for Spencer Rattler's head. I was on that – us just because I want to be winning games. Mm-hmm. The well, let's let's we're running a little long, so let's we'll save we'll save the greatest Cotton Bowl ever for another uh, episode. But even with Caleb Williams, so now you've got who we all have anointed Superman, and he just got he unfortunately goes into the same stuff, gets hung out to dry. If it wasn't for his quarterback run game. He's not going to be as dynamic as he was. That it, it just got weird, and the way Lincoln handled the quarterbacks was odd and off-putting. You, you almost there was no honesty there, and so it was really frustrating. Sure. Um, and then, of course, the you know I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. All that to be said, still completely shocked he left for USC. 
Yeah. I mean, you just don't hear about coaches leaving blue blood programs for other college jobs. You know, I always thought if he left, he would be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, something like that. But never, never would you think he would leave Oklahoma to go to another college job, even USC. I, I think he's a weird dude. I think he's a weird dude. I think he looks for a little bit of that. I think there's a little bit of show off, a little bit, a little bit of glamour that he thinks he's going to get it in, in L.A., I don't think the money hurt at all. I think they unloaded to get him. Yeah. Um, I don't think he liked living in Bob Stoop's shadow. And I, to this day, contend he does. He did not want to compete in the SEC. He had seen there too might many be, SEC I think there could be something to that. Oh, there has to be something yeah. to it. Uh-huh. He got his dog kicked every time he played an SEC team. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, and so we, we get – but listen – I was on the radio with Toby Rowland the Monday following Lincoln's announcement. And I said, we will be in a better place. I said that on the radio. A week later, we get Brent Venables, and we are in a better place than we were with Lincoln Riley. That's a fact. A fact. And do you feel like like you guys might be a little bit Thinking more emotionally with Brent Venables being a Sooner having history here and being upset with Lincoln Riley? Absolutely. Yes to all of that. Yes to all of that. I do. I think that we are – our emotions were so high and we wanted so badly to have our hearts repaired that – Brent Venables was the perfect guy to come in. And then he adds Jeff Levy and then we get Dylan Gabriel and, and everything just goes the right way. Yes. I think we, our expectations are way outsized for Brent Venables. However, what game next year are we not favored in? True. What game are we not favored in next year? So, I mean, maybe that's just the cost of being an OU fan is that you, you set yourself up in these off seasons every single year with expectations that just go out the roof. Uh, but I think it's better than where Texas is at right now. Hey, listen, yeah. I mean, you know, you hope to be nine and three and then you can't even do that. So I understand that's, that's, that's the life of a Texas fan. So I, I mean, what does Texas fan think about Brent Venables? Does that, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's nothing even about Brent Venables. It's about, it's very rare to see a team make two home run hires back to back. It just usually doesn't happen. Even when it comes to promoting within, right? You hear right. about that. I mean, wasn't Gibbs uh, an assistant at OU before? People say, oh, well, all he had to do was just steer the ship. But that doesn't always work, you know, even if they're already there and in the culture. So I do want to give Lincoln Riley credit for that. You know, it's not, I don't think it's as easy as some people say it is for giving a spark to the team, not just as the OC, but as the head coach. Sure. I mean, going to Columbus and beating Ohio State. It was fantastic. I mean, that is huge. I know you were there. Yeah, fantastic. In the stands. I mean, that is, that's big time for a, a rookie head coach to do. So I think what Texas fans are, are wondering, is it time for OU to make a questionable hire or hire that just doesn't work out like Texas has made? I think that it's more of that than – Oh, you know, Brent Venables can't coach or whatever. 
So you're saying it's law of averages. You're Correct. saying that Texas is hoping the law of averages finally hits OU. Yes, because, you know, it has to, I mean, you know, you can't just make great hire after great hire after great hire. Everybody gets it wrong at some point. I will say this, Castiglione's track record has me feeling really, really good. Yeah. And that goes for the entire athletic department that he runs. I mean, he picks yeah. he picks winners. Mm-hmm. I mean, men's gymnastics, women's gymnastics, men's golf, softball, baseball's a little sketchy, uh, but it's just it, tennis is tremendous. I mean, he, they they have a winning culture at OU. It makes me think that they probably went the right direction. He's been in a assistant coach for three national championships. He's worked for Snyder, Bob Stoops, Dabo Sweeney. Uh, he's not too young. He's he's put the time in. He's built it. I don't know. I I hope I'm right. I hope I'm sure you hope I'm a little wrong. I don't. I know you don't wish any ill will, but no I ill will. But you know, you know, if you guys had a couple of you know average seasons, it wouldn't be the end of the world for Texas yes. fans. You know, I don't after think the highest. That, I don't think they're coming. You know, it, it, again, it's hard to bet against the place. You know, the, right. the universe. It, it's just you guys have such a crazy tradition of. Winning football games, other than you know the 1990s. So, well, Kevin, we've run a little long past our goal, but I just look. I'm it's just hard so, in this. You know, I get so excited. We're fired up, man. This is this is what we do. This is the beginning, though. We're, we're still in the beginning. This is the beginning. We're going to get better. If you listen to the end, thank you. If you turned us off early, you missed some amazing content, but that's okay. Uh, More to we're come. gonna we're gonna put our heads together and come up with our next uh, our next topic, which is going to be the best games in the Red River rivalry. So please be looking forward to that. And again, for those that have listened, thank you so much. And for those that uh, are new to the show, thank you for listening. Kevin, this has been fun, man. Yeah, it's been great. And if you enjoy it, feel free to subscribe on YouTube or wherever else you get your podcast. So um, we're still working on it, but we'll be on Apple Podcasts, Google, anywhere where you can find podcasts. We'll be there probably within the next few days. So and if you don't like it, put your comments on John's Instagram page. Yes, which doesn't exist. Which doesn't exist. All right, Kevin. See you later, buddy. All right, have a good one.